Welcome. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I am your host, Carter Laren. As usual, I am joined by the bad mamma jamma, Carrie <laughs> Smith. Carrie, uh, wait, let me make sure people can see you and I didn't screw this up. Okay, Carrie, say hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> so um, we were we were lamenting that I'm a little bit rusty on broadcasting it's been a couple weeks we took uh we did put some episodes in the can and used those over the holidays but and i moved my studio you can notice the background is different so i'm uh i like it i'm a little bit rusty on the tech but uh it'll also, it'll work out oh and also, i should probably a big turn delay. on <laughs> yeah there's a big delay i and actually in the chat people can tell us if they see the delay also but carrie sees a big delay between when i when I seem to be speaking and when she hears me and we haven't, we rebooted a bunch of times and haven't been able to solve it. So I just apologize that it's there. We'll move on anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, if, if you don't see that or you do see it, go ahead and mention it in the chat if you want to let's, let's dive in Carrie. Um, oh wait, we should probably see. I am rusty. Follow us at unsafe show on Twitter. We've got a, a deprogrammed on a Facebook page. We have an unsafe space Facebook page. You can go to unsafeshow.com. I don't know. Support us in the ways. The best thing to do is, frankly, just to share the content and uh, let people know that you're watching slash listening to us. We are on Gab and Minds as well, but I don't and BitChute. But do I'm we have not a Patreon? Other people are on those. But what? Do we have a Patreon? We do, but I'm thinking about taking it down because I only have like we, we like. There's not a lot of like there's maybe one support. I don't know how many supporters there. <laughs> it's brand new, and uh, well, now I hate Patreon anyway. And I yeah. happen to know who the supporters are, so I could just be like, do something let's, else. Let's move to whatever uh, this thing is that um, Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson are going to make. Yeah, I just haven't heard anything about it yet. I I wrote both of them, but I, I haven't heard back. Uh, I'd like to hear more about it, but we'll see. Um, Back in the day before Jordan was famous, he would reply to my emails a little bit, but not not anymore. Um, he replies to your emails now, though, because you're an uh, excellent writer and he likes to read your essays. No, well, he, no, he hasn't responded. Oh, last year he posted my, a, a second essay of mine, but he's, you know, he's one of you can tell he's super busy now. He's on a nonstop tour. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it doesn't sound this, fun. Um, delay, um, this delay is really messing me up. <laughs> I don't know why. It's really, it's really screwing me up. Sorry. <laughs> it's really screwing me up. It's I can't help it. There's I, nothing I can do to fix uh, it. It's always better if I don't look at you. Because <laughs> I'm looking at you. You don't have to look at me, Carrie. That's okay. Okay. Because <laughs> your no mouth one wants is to look at me anyway. And then your mouth stops moving, but you're still talking. And it's weird. <laughs> excellent. Okay. Well, thank you, Google Hangouts, for the excellent technology and I guess you get what you pay for. So um, we do actually want to talk about something today, which is so, you know, New Year's Eve. Uh, a lot of people have had New Year's resolutions for the, the beginning of the new year, often about losing weight uh, and things like that. But I was thinking about uh, some of the most impactful decisions I've made in my life. And I realized that one of the one of the most impactful things was purging toxic people from my life. And Carrie and I came up with a lot of uh, metaphors for this. I guess there's burning the deadwood is what 
Um, Owen Benjamin calls it, and I think Jordan Jordan Peterson actually uses that phrase as well, but more to talk about kind of getting rid of parts of yourself uh, as you progress that are no longer optimal. Um, weeding your friend garden, pruning your relationship tree. Someone on Facebook suggested it's called evolving past mo emotional vampires. Emotional uh, vampires, that's a good one. The origins of this, yeah, right? Um, the thing is, if you're not choosing your friends uh, consciously, um, then you are, you basically have a bunch of friends by chance and by the the serendipity of random proximity, which is kind of not a great way to choose your friends. And, but the origin for kind of talking about this today was really a phone call that I had with you, Carrie. I'm going to put you on the spot. We don't have to name the person, but you were saying to me, you had a friend who, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, but she was actively working to make the world a horrible place and destroying children's minds. So in someone in my book, I would say is a horrible person. Uh, but you said, and you were complaining about her to me, but you said, the thing is, I like her. And I yeah. said to you, she, what do you like about her specifically? <laughs> so can you, why don't you take it from there? Uh, so this is where we finally were going dis to disagree on something. Uh, I don't think she's a horrible person at all. I think she is very well-intentioned and believes wholeheartedly in this belief system that she's pushing. And I used to believe in that belief system. It's just that I now view that ideology as evil. I can, I kind of see down the road to where it leads. And, and I, I no longer believe the lie of, of what it says it is. And so I feel like. So uh, let's talk about this. What is a horrible person then, Carrie? Is it someone who has good intentions, but is executing an evil plan? Is that still a good person? Is that a, it's not, not a horrible person? Like, well, it doesn't mean they're good. If, uh, not to use the classic example, but you know. Was uh was Eichmann a good person because he really really believed in Nazism and thought he was helping out? I think it it doesn't mean they're a good person or a bad person. It just means they're a person who's engaging in something, pushing something evil, something bad. Um, I don't know. I, I try to separate the person Who from what they're doing. Okay. Okay. So when I say horrible person, I generally don't mean like doomed forever. They have to be horrible. It doesn't mean they can't change. But I'm generally judging their, when I say horrible person, I'm judging their behavior. Um, well, I who do would that you too. say is a horrible person? Okay, I do that too. Um, Michael Eric Dyson. <laughs> is that his name? Okay. I think he's horrible. I don't uh, know. Who else? Kathy Griffin. I mean, just people who, oh, oh, but I she know. She believes just as much. So that's, wait, Kathy Griffin's a great example because I think similarly to your friend, she probably she probably knows your friend. They 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 agree on the philosophy, and they're both implementing it in a probably a pretty genuine way. Yeah, but I know my friend. And I know she's person. not a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it just it, it depends on if you personally know them or not, and you feel like oh, I can't put them in that category. Like I like this person. Yeah, it, I just think it's she's the road misguided. To hell. Okay, Gary. so here's one of the most Dave, horrible Dave. people in the world, David Hogg. I got, I put him on that list, but yeah, Dave. but uh, actually, I would actually give David Hogg more, more um, leeway than your friend because David Hogg's a freaking kid. True. Um, so he's like he's an idiot, and I disagree with him, and he shouldn't have the platform he has. He has the platform he has by 
virtue of the fact that he happens to be at a school where there was a tragedy, which um, is not a credential, um, but is treated as such. But uh, and, and I and I agree, maybe he's a bad person or is making bad decisions. Sure, but if you're going to call David Hogg bad, you got to call Kathy Griffin bad. And if you're going to call Kathy Griffin bad, you got to call your friend, your friend bad. I, I guess that's the point is uh, I shouldn't be so quick to make judgments about other people. Like, like, okay. So one of the things I do in conversation, Carter, or try, I've been trying to do in the past couple of years is obviously don't call people names when you're talking to them. Like don't resort to name calling. Cause it's, it's lazy. First sure. of all, it's childish. And yep. it's not uh, conducive to anything. It's never going to go anywhere. If you, if you both start calling each other names, it's just pointless. So I don't do that. However, when talking about someone in the third person, especially someone in the public eye, I have been known to call them names. And so I've had people sort of call that into question for me. And I've been thinking about it for a while. Like I called Cory Booker a twat. And then that was, and I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but uh, so, so actually this is a question. So I have a question about this. Um, for me, calling someone uh, a name, the reason not to do it and the, and the way in which it's lazy is that it's not an argument. Right. But it is an opinion. And it is an opinion. It is like there's nothing inherently bad about saying like Hitler was an asshole. That doesn't mean that's not an argument against him. You have to actually have arguments like, oh, he killed six million Jews and like there's there's reasons. Right. But it doesn't mean you can't call him a jerk or call Cory Booker a twat. Right. right? Um, for, for some of his behavior. It's not um, it's not a friendly thing to do. Uh, and you could say, well, I want to be a, a super nice, friendly person. Um, but it's not wrong. I guess is what it? I learned from that is just that I don't have you don't have to. You don't have to express every thought that you have. That was my lesson from saying that online. Like, oh, I, I may well, have that, that opinion about that's probably. Uh, yeah, I may have an opinion like that about yeah. someone who's in the public eye, but I don't have to say it. But yeah, I, I, you're making me think about like the naming who's a good person, who's not. It's just it's just a matter of if you know someone personally, you've humanized them. So it's harder to write them off as a bad person. I feel like there are a lot of people in the SJW ideology who are just misguided and they're trying to do what they think is good. They're, they absolutely believe, some of them, that this ideology is the sure. answer to racism and sexism, which is weird because it's a racist I don't and doubt sexist that ideology. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't I don't doubt what you're saying at just all. Just one I, second. I, but just one second. Uh -oh. I have a dog issue. One second. Are there dogs involved in this again? What's happening? <laughs> uh oh. Carrie and her dogs constantly interrupting the show. You know, Carrie, now we're live. So I can't edit this out. Sorry. This is a this is a strike against you. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting off to a great start. You're a horrible person. Year. We're getting off to a great start. So okay, so we had this conversation about should I stay friends with this person, right? And you and I kind of disagree on this on unfriending. Well, so actually, before we even get, I, I'm not quite done with the the horrible person because there's one okay. point I just want to make, and you can disagree with it, but I. Um, when you say that, the, the the there's two things that pop pop into my my brain. One is the phrase "the road to hell is paved with good intentions," right? So I don't mm -hmm. doubt that people are good intentioned, um, 
And uh, I would argue that even some of the most horrible people in history may have been, quote, good intentioned. Um, and the second thing I think of is a little bit uh, less well known, but there's a, did you ever watch V for Vendetta? Yes. There's a scene um, where, so in the movie, V is, is killing people who um, had done wrong in the past. And he's not very nice about it, except for, for one person, for the doctor. Uh, he's, he kills her, but he does it without pain. He does it kind of like, almost like gentle, a gentle death. Um, and she, um, she's apologizing to him at the end and crying for what she had done. And he says something. He says, I haven't come for what you'd hoped to do. I came for what you did. And uh. I think the way that I view um, judging people is not about what their intentions are. Um, because so I guess if they have good intentions but don't act on them, that's fine. But if they're going to take action, I view it as their responsibility to be uh, – I think you have a responsibility to analyze how your actions are actually affecting the world and to be open to criticism of your actions and to really rigorously, like, double-check what you're doing. And it doesn't mean that, well, you know, you'll always agree with what someone else is doing, but um, it means that someone may call – me a horrible person because they disagree with me but um i don't think there's anything wrong with saying like hey look philosophically we're very different and the things that you think are going to be good i don't think are good and that makes you that makes what you're doing horrible which kind of if i want to summarize makes you a horrible person um so you you kind of agree with sjw's on this actually i think because they they like maybe. to say that intent doesn't matter so let's say you um, they they get mad, they cause a big stink, and they say, "Hey, oh, like with Roseanne, that that tweet, right?" Okay, they're like, "Roseanne, that tweet right. is racist," and she's like, "Well, I didn't intend for it to be." And intent doesn't matter. It that they say that a lot. Well, so yeah, I get that, and I would say um, I would say intent matters sometimes, right? I would say intent matters if you're going to accuse someone of something like racism. Um, or, uh, like racism is a judgment actually of someone's, it is a judgment of someone's psychology, right? Mm -hmm. Um, when I say someone's horrible, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying they're, they're taking steps to implement. I mean, let's be honest. These people are taking steps to implement a totalitarian dictatorship. They are like, they are taking steps to implement authoritarianism. That's what they are doing. That's a horrible thing. And so anyone taking steps to do that, I feel comfortable kind of saying, look, if you're taking steps to do that and and you're active about that, not just kind of passive, like, well, maybe uh, I haven't thought about it, but I guess I'll vote for them. But if you're actively doing that and as your friend was doing, actively, um, I, I think, attacking children. Um, Indoctrinating that's children. That's pretty bad. In fact, it reminded me, I'm going to... Go ahead. Go ahead. You're going to say something against this. Well, I'm going to look something up while you say something. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I just I guess I can't operate that way. I don't feel like I can operate that way because I still want to reach people who believe what I used to believe.
I think that there are people in it, like I've said before, there's basically two different types of SJWs. There are the, the people who um, are bad actors, who have bad intent. I guess intent really does matter to me. People who are, um, who are in it to gain power for themselves and who know exactly what it is and are fine with that. Um, and then there's the other type of person who's in it. And these are just roughly two different types of groups of putting people in, but the other type of person is well-intentioned and they're in it for, they're in it because they think this is, um, this is the way to fix the world. And so for me, I guess intent does matter. And those people with good intent, I think can be reached if you, if you don't call them bad people, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't tell them they're horrible, <laughs> that's where we disagree. Right. I, I get that. And so that actually gets to another uh, part of the conversation we had, which was, what is your goal? And I would say, if you are, if your goal is to just go live your life um, and you don't want to be uh, an activist or advocate for things, then you should feel free just dismissing people that are doing bad things and saying, oh, they're horrible people. I'm not going to talk to them. If your goal is to be an advocate, um, I think it's entirely appropriate to think to yourself, this is a horrible person, but they don't mean to be a horrible person. And I think they're reachable. So I'm going to be careful how I categorize them and what I say to them, because I have an agenda and that agenda is to turn them to like away from the dark side. And I, I, I don't disagree with that as a strategy, right? But, uh, I do think there's still judgment. I mean, the reason you're trying to turn them is because you think that they're horrible on the path. They're on the path to horribleness at the very least. They're, right? oh, they're yes, doing horrible they're things, the, maybe. We'll say that. Yes, they're right? on the road to hell. They, they, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. They are on the road to hell. And, right. And, and so and you that, want to save them. Well, I guess so, yes. I mean, I kind of feel like if – what if I hadn't – what if I had stayed in that ideology? What if uh, – right. I mean – in the first essay I wrote, I was talking about Daryl Davis. You, you've heard of this guy, right? He's the guy, the black guy that pulled like 200 people out of the Klan by befriending Klan's members. Oh, yes. Okay, so was he an activist? I guess. Was he just, or was he just being, trying to live so. the way I mean, that I don't think you're a black person who joins the Klan to pull people out of the Klan <laughs> without being an activist. I mean, true. that's not like a... <laughs> Hey, what do you want to do Saturday night? Let's go to a Klan rally and try to not get lynched. I don't think that's a choice that I don't, you know, I don't know, but it doesn't sound fun to me. It, it's also a Dave Chappelle sketch, but, uh, but no, he did. Yes. He, he, so he pulled 200 people out of the Klan. So I guess, yeah, if he, he's an activist, but another way of looking at it is he just believes in, in behaving in such a way or living or, or living in such a way that reflects his beliefs. So that I think that's very hard right. to do, though. That's why it's easy for me to write off someone like Kathy Griffin and say she doesn't actually have good intent. I think she's a hard person. Maybe she has good intent, like my friend yeah, does. I don't know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so for me, the danger for me here, I, I don't disagree with strategically um, being careful how you categorize people, especially if you're going to try and pull people out of the clan or or like you pull know, people out of the SJW cult. <laughs> Right. I get that. Um, I think the danger, the reason I'm giving you pushback is the danger, there's a danger in, in, in a complete unwillingness to identify evil. Um, and the SJWs don't want you to identify evil, 
right? That's one of their philosophical points is to not really identify evil as such. Um, and so like moral relativism is part of their philosophy. And so I think it is important um, just, I don't know. I, I imagine if you see a lot of people around you in your crew, let's say you're an SJW and there's a lot of people around you in your crew in your crew and whatever your, your cult uh, <laughs> and there's right. You know, and the one hand, if there's outsiders saying you're horrible and we're not going to talk to you, maybe that just causes you to like double down. Okay. Um, on the other hand, if there's no one in society saying you're horrible and everyone's like, Oh, you're well-intentioned. It kind of gives you permission to just do your shit. Because you're well-intentioned. Someone needs to say, like, what you're doing is horrible, and you're making yourselves horrible people, and I don't think you intend to do that. Okay, but here's where it's I horrible. Here's where I disagree. So I have no problem calling the ideology evil, calling their behavior evil, their actions evil. I think that when you call okay. them evil, you shut them down, and they can't hear anything. There, There's a great... Um, okay, when I was an SJW, and I still do like this guy, um, uh, this vlogger named Jay Smooth. Have you heard of him? So no. he does a lot of video blogs, or used to, I haven't watched him in a while, but about racism. And so he did this one a long time ago that's like how to tell someone that they said or did something racist without calling them a racist, because it's a big difference. And from what I recall about that video, his point was, you're gonna get them to listen more if you attack the actions or the speech rather than them as a person. So that's sort of the same principle here is, I absolutely think the SJW ideology is evil, um, but I don't think that someone who is preaching it necessarily is. And, and I think telling them that they are ensures that they're not gonna listen to me. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement maybe on part of that, which is uh, I don't disagree strategically that telling people that they're evil is, <laughs> necessarily a good idea maybe you need to identify the leaders and say they're evil um because you're never going to convert the leaders um right. but uh the ones who i think have i don't bad disagree intent. that right I, so I i don't so i don't necessarily disagree that you shouldn't tell them um i i just think that um uh, it's important to i think people are afraid to label people as bad um and i don't think and and in their heads i don't mean like externally just like in their heads I, like i was there was a time in my life when i was a bad person like i like i was doing bad things when i would argue that when you were an sjw propagating it you did a lot of fucking damage in the world and you were a bad person and you've changed and you're not a bad person anymore <laughs> but you were you were a bad bad person we're done um, here carter now i wouldn't have gone and said that to you i wouldn't have been like carrie you're a bad person come talk to me that wouldn't have worked i get that but it doesn't mean I wasn't thinking it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? Uh, it does. It absolutely makes sense. I know you disagree. I, I, I just want to make sure you're no, getting my. No, nuance. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not super passionate about. I could, my mind could be changed if we talked about this a bit longer. Maybe. <laughs> I just, and maybe it, it is a strategic thing in some ways, and it, and I really, I don't think people hear you once you have, uh, once you. It's, it's an attack on them rather than on their opinion, which by the way, SJWs have enough of a problem being unable to distinguish between who they are and what their opinions are. 
like they they view right. their their opinions and their belief system as their identity. That's why when you disagree with them, they feel personally attacked, even though you're not attacking them as a person. You could be attacking, you could be disagreeing with their argument or what they've said or whatever, and they they feel it's a personal violation. Like you've you've you know offended me and my family, and right. <laughs> and the shaolin. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, um, we're dueling at dawn yes yeah. uh, uh no and i agree and so tactically i agree with you so wait i i think we're um i think we kind of got off topic a little bit but but not really so we we're talking about purging people in 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 your life and um and i think it's important to make a distinction between Well, I think it's important to understand what your goals are, right? And this is something that is kind of related to what we're talking about, which is, <clears throat> do you want, are, are you trying to convert people or are you just trying to live your life? And and I think, I think also we have this binary thinking often where, well, I'm not friends with them, therefore I'm like condemning them as some horrible, like I'm, I'm, I'm condemning them as horrible and bad. And I think we need room for a third alternative, which I call something like benevolent indifference, which is, and that's like <laughs> most of the people on my Facebook feed, right? It's like, I don't know, some of you are idiots, some of you are probably jerks, some of you may be great, I like, but you're not close friends of mine, and you're not close friends of mine because you don't meet the criteria for close friends, which we can talk about what we think that should be, um, but basically it's, you're not healthy for me to be like, it's not healthy for me to have a close relationship with you. And so they're in this kind of third category of like, they're not enemies. I'm not wishing harm on them, but it doesn't mean I got to hang out with them. And I think a lot of people are very afraid to have this third category of like, yeah, no, no, you're cool. I just don't want to hang out. Right. Like whatever. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm benevolent towards you. I just, I don't, and I don't have to like have only friends or enemies. There's the third category of people I know who are just like, eh. yeah, give me a category. That's my argument. Well, I, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, we don't have enough time. It's, it's impossible to be friends with all the people on our, like on our social media friends list, for example, you know, most of my social media friends, um, I accumulated from, the entertainment industry and also social justice work, like a lot of nonprofits that I worked with, with my comics. So everyone was sort of, it was more like colleagues, like people that anybody that you've met professionally in any way, it was more like social networking and you add these people. Um, but then yeah. some of them, one of those people who previously was a, just a colleague has become a really good friend of mine in the last year. Like sometimes those relationships change. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I were like, you were in my bad uh, category. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I should have been right. <laughs> because we had very opposed ideologies. Mm -hmm. We met each other through uh, a business relationship. It wasn't even business. I was doing business kind of with Emily. You were just kind of like in business with Emily. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, we Facebook friends and really didn't talk or anything. So we, I think we would, uh, I think it was a correct for both of us to be in the meh category. And, right? now and it wasn't friends. until you posted your essay that I was like, huh? Well, this is really <laughs> interesting. Why? She's super interesting now. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
See, the same thing that lost <laughs> me most of my other friends. Then you're like, ah, oh, I can talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and so speaking of, that's what I, that's the way Owen Benjamin in his recent video talked about uh, burning the deadwood. Um, that's sort of the way he talked about it when you lose, when people decide to leave you uh, behind or whatever, stop being your friend, that it's okay that you're just burning off the deadwood. And I agree with that. Right. Uh, when it comes yeah. to the question of like friending or unfriending or I typically let people unfriend me. Cause I don't really, it doesn't really bother me anymore. I mean, a couple, there've been a couple of friends that I've lost through this. Yes. That were, that I considered close friends and those hurt. But for the most part, the people who've unfriended me, it's like, Oh, I, it's not so much that I lost you. It's that I realized that you're not really a friend. <laughs> if you can't, if we're, if we're not going to stay friends because my, some of my belief system is changing. So um, what I think is hilarious, and I'm sure you've seen this because people do it on both the right and the left online is when people <laughs> post stuff like, if you believe X, Y, Z, just do me a favor and unfriend me right now. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do you a favor. <laughs> like you need to find out who I am and unfriend me <laughs> if you have such a problem yeah, with it. Yeah, I'm going to stalk you. Why would I do is don't they call that emotional labor? Why would I do emotional labor? For you? If you believe in X, Y, Z, do me a favor and unfriend me. No. <laughs> well, I don't have enough spoons to unfriend you. Yes, exactly. No, you're going to have to you're going to have to get offended by something I say one day and then choose to weed yourself out. So that's what happens is I don't it's not so much that I feel like I'm weeding my garden out. It's like my garden is weeding itself out. Like it's like we all the weeds are leaving. So. So let's let's talk about like real friends, though, not Facebook friends, because I think in many ways, okay. like social media friends are. Um, it really depends what you want out of you, like on LinkedIn, I don't unfriend anyone because it's very business oriented. And I'm sure there's like super Marxist, crazy people that I'm, you know, friends are connected to on LinkedIn and I don't care. Um, and on Facebook, similarly, it's mostly meh people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but in real life, people I actually like have conversations with offline and and talk to and and meet up with. That's a much smaller set of people. And my criteria are distinctly different. And those people have a bigger impact in my life, I would argue, than, you know, some jerk on Facebook. If they're really having a negative impact, I can just mute them or not go on Facebook, uh, which is mostly what I do is not go on Facebook. Right. Um, <laughs> so. But 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 personal friends have really, you know, closer friends have a real real impact on my life. What are the criteria that you think are important for people in your life? Maybe romantic partners, but also friends, like close people. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot, Carrie. List okay, the, so all the I, most important I qualities think of for good friends. It's someone that is loyal. Um virtuous in meaning like someone who doesn't lie this is a lesson i've learned the hard way uh how important it is not to lie <laughs> and how important it is to be around people who don't who, who are trying not to lie to themselves or to others so uh you don't they don't have to be perfect people because nobody is i'm certainly not but just people who are trying broken people who are trying to put themselves back together those people, I think, make good friends and people who are, um, who are like, like you said, are open to changing their mind about things, are open to 
are, are like self-reflective, like think about, think about what they're saying and what they're doing and if their actions match what they believe, um, actively try to make sure they're not being too hypocritical in the world. I mean, I think we're all hypocrites, but someone who's, who's a good friend is someone who's trying not to be one. Um, and, uh, I don't know. My friend Shelly says I'm the friend that you can call if you have to bury a dead body. I don't know if that's true any, anymore necessarily, but a friend who's like got just loyal and is there for you. And, uh, uh, I don't know. Am I answering this right? You're kind of stumping me. Cause I do have, now that I'm answering it, I'm like, well, there are people in my life who don't make, I'm not the God of, of friend traits to, to tell you whether you're answering it right. <laughs> right. Well, well, what do you think the answer is? What is, cause, cause I definitely have people in my life who don't fit those requirements. Well, um, for me, it's definitely focused more on, on virtues, uh, that people have. I want virtuous people around me. So obviously not lying and cheating and stuff is, is one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson has, what's the, let me look it up. He's got a quote. He says, make friends with people who want the best for you. That's one of his chapters in his, yeah. uh, 12 rules book. I don't, um, I don't, I think that's a necessary, but not sufficient condition. Um, I think obviously you don't want to be friends with people who don't want the best for you. And just following that rule is great advice because a lot of people I think are friends with people who don't want the best. Yes. Right? So in that um, chapter, can it, I butt in for a second? He, yeah, uh, yeah. he talks about this. Actually, I know people on the left make fun of him, but I, I don't care. Mike Cernovich talks about this too. He's got a, a mindset book. It's called Gorilla Mindset. It's like a self-help book, mm -hmm. kind of his version. And he says similar things, but in a different way and reaches a totally different audience. But he, he also talks about making friends with people who want the best for you. Um, and there's there's a really important part of that that chapter where um, Peterson's sort of pointing out that sometimes sometimes you have people in your life who just want you to stay at the bottom with them, and so uh, when you start to improve yourself, yes, if you start to try to improve yourself or to get you know your life together or to sort things out, that those people become resentful and will try to sabotage you. It could be friends or family, and so you have to become able to to recognize that and to see that for what it is that not all friendships are built on um you know wanting wanting good things to happen to their friends there is a lot of codependency that happens and um and i think there's also a lot of unconscious behavior so i don't think most people don't have friends that will admit that they don't want what's best for the friend so that's something that you have to judge based on their behavior and their actions and kind of figure out like, oh, wait a minute, every time I'm trying to improve in this way, whenever I say, for example, whenever I say like, hey, I need to stop drinking, they're the one who calls me and like talks me into going to the bar, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't want the best for me. <laughs> like that's, that's they're, they're not acting in my best interest. So I, I agree that that's a necessary condition, but I don't think it's efficient and um, and by the way, it's you know, Jordan and Mike, uh, they both talk about this, but if you can look online, there's thousands of quotes from people about uh, who you hang out with, like you are who you hang out with. Um, there's one, who's the, what's the motivational guy? Not Tony Robbins. There's another guy who said, uh, I think I, I thought I had his quote here somewhere, but it was, um, oh, he says, 
you're Jim Rohn. He says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Oh, right? wow. So, That's an interesting thought. I'm going to write that down. Right. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's like a lot of, and you know, I don't think that's uh, mathematically correct, but <laughs> obviously, but we do know you are influenced by people in your life um, unconsciously uh, and consciously. So there's some truth in that. For me, um, the close friends are people, I think you have to be able to admire them and they have to be people who are, um, who at least some aspect of them is aspirational to you. Like you look at them and like, oh, like I want to be like them in these areas. And like, I admire these things. Maybe I don't admire these other things about the person or whatever, but those other things aren't like, it's not like they're a murderer, right? It's like, okay, mm -hmm. the other things are, you know, they're maybe on my level or like ar around my level on these other things. But on these things, there's at least some really admirable virtuous qualities. And, um, and I think that's how you grow as a person, right? If you're around people who challenge you to be better just by virtue of their existence, um, then you, then you end up becoming better. And it's similar. It's very similar to, um, a concept in business where, you know, I, I coach a lot of startup founders and this is something that I think a lot of people pay lip service to, but they have trouble doing in real, in real life and business is I always tell them to hire people that are smarter than they are. Um, because if you hire people, if you, if everyone around you is smarter than you are, um, you'll like, you'll be able to make better decisions than you would normally make. And like things yes. will be better than just you. Right. Yes. But a lot of people feel very threatened about By hiring that. people who are smarter than they are. And I think there's a, there's a, similar um phenomenon that happens in friendship circles where it's you know well i don't want to be friends with that person because they i like i don't know they go to the gym every day and they're really like they're really admirable that way and i'm trying but i don't think i can and like i don't i, I don't really live up to that and so i don't want to feel less than by being around this person i don't want to feel like i'm not as good as they are so i'm going to hang out with this other schlep who goes to the gym even less than i do because i feel better when i hang out with that person and that yes, is, and then you can both stay um, at the bottom together. Yeah, and that's self-destructive, and that's you know that's not the right way to choose your friends. And uh, so that's that's how I think about it. I guess that was a ramble, but I I think it answered the question. I I got a lot from it. I enjoyed it. I'm sitting here I, making a I list of people and deciding who I'm going to move out of the top five. <laughs> Like, like, <laughs> I, I, minute, I don't think right. it's mathematical about I, 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 <laughs> can I, I can I complain okay. about something because I ask so I asked you what specifically do you like about this person right yeah. and it spawned this discussion with us but I mm -hmm. asked that question uh I don't mean to uh to dilute the importance of that question Carrie but I ask right. that question to people a lot when they say things like oh I like so and so I'm like hmm, what specifically do you like about so and so and there's a there's a couple, I would call them maybe red flags that are indicative that you're not really being conscious and analyzing your friends. And the red flags, the two red flags that I see the most, um, and the response I hate the most is when someone says, oh, he's nice, right? Um, I hate nice as an ex as like a an attribute to describe someone. Um, because the usually they don't mean nice. If they do mean nice, and they're like, they're not a sadist, 
way, like, uh, okay, that's great, but that's a pretty low bar for a friendship. I mean, it's a, <laughs> hey, they, they're lacking this deplorable trait. Like, all right, whoop-de-doo. But that's not usually what people mean when they say nice. They usually mean, like, they're either conflict avoidant, which is actually hugely problematic and will cause bigger problems later and is inauthentic, or they mean they flatter well, which is like also inauthentic and uh, a manipulative thing to do. So one of the one of my pet peeves is when people describe like, oh, what do you like about so-and-so? They're really nice. It's like, you're not even thinking about this at all. Nice is just one of these platitude. It's like this stupid throwaway word that doesn't really it's, mean anything. It, and you're using also... it to justify a friendship you haven't thought about. No, but some people are nice, and 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 I also what I mean by that is because I agree with you. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a um, virtue or anything. Like I think in the past I probably would have been described as nice, and th there's something wrong with that. If if people describe you as nice, you don't really have any opinions. You don't really stand for anything that makes anyone uncomfortable, or that doesn't bother right. anyone. You're conflict avoidant. You're conflict avoidant, and you don't really stand for anything. It's like, so right. nice people, I'm like, what are you hiding? Or like, <laughs> why are you trying to please everyone? Why are you trying to be a people pleaser? Yeah, or it, it maybe they're not even hiding anything. They're just, they de like, niceness definitely falls into the meh category of like, oh, so you're just like, don't believe anything. You just try and make nice with everyone. Like, that's uninteresting. I'm not going to grow from that. And, right? That's not going to challenge me to be a better right. person. That's going to like, make me feel icky. And then there's I, a big difference between help me. there's a big difference between being nice and being kind. Kind is a virtue. I know very kind people. I know a few very kind sure. people. Um, it doesn't mean they're nice. <laughs> I have a problem right. with that word too. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, another the other red flag that I've got is, um, and I want to explain this one because in and of itself it sounds fine. I'll ask, and people will say, "Well, they're a good person, right?" I'm like, oh, that, that sounds fine, right? But often we get into a conversation and it's like, oh, he's a good person. Sometimes he lies to me, he cheats on me, he stole from me, he once kicked my puppy, but like deep down, he's a good person. <laughs> and I think like people go, they like, they forgive, like, and I hear this all the time. We're like, oh, this person's really great. Like what's great about them? Oh, they're really honest. Aren't we talking about how they cheated on you? Well, yeah, but I mean, other than that, they're really honest. I'm like, what? So they're <laughs> honest with the baker at the store? Like, honestly, right. like, I would rather them do white lies on the phone and not lie for the big things. <laughs> so there's this like weird kind of um, people just hang these attributes on people and then seem to not notice any of the behavior that runs contrary to those attributes. And I think that's really dangerous. If you catch yourself calling someone who's lying and cheating on you uh, like a good person, you're you're stuck in this quagmire of not really thinking about it rationally. And I don't I'm not talking to anyone specifically mm -hmm. when I say that. Can you hear my stomach growling, by the way? I'm starving. <laughs> no, what's going on with you today? It's just been a, it's a weird day. I'm going to get up and get something to eat. I'm kidding. Um, All right, go get okay. some food. I mean, no. I don't even know what to do. We're, I'll look at see if we have chat I'm, questions. I'm I can wait. Uh, we do have chat questions, though. No, no. Hey, everyone in chat, Carrie's just going to leave because mm -mm. that's what she's doing now. I'm kidding. Now. I'm not leaving. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> apparently David Hogg is now an adult, Keith says. 
He was born uh, in 2000. So, uh, and yes, I know I've got an audio delay. You can just blame Google. I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, so I can't fix it. We tried to fix it before the show. So um, someone in the chat says, and one of the Lou biggest... says one of the biggest problems the population has adopted is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must hate them. Yeah. And I think Lou is totally right. Like, uh, it's kind of what I was talking about before this kind of third category of benevolent indifference, which isn't allowed anymore. It's like, Oh, you don't like, you know, you don't like X, Y, Z. You must hate them. You must be a horrible person or you must think they're horrible. And, and you're judging them morally. It's like, no, I just don't like, I don't think what they're doing is like, I don't think being a heroin addict is a good life choice. Like I'm not, I don't wish them death. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, all right. So you didn't go away. So you were just teasing. Nah, me. Okay. Teasing. All right. Well, so let's, so why, um, why do you think people, why do you think people don't purge their friend? Like what are the barriers, uh, to purging friends and to like severing ties that you kind of know you should sever? Well, and we, you and I talked about this a little bit before, so it, we might be talking about two different things. So there, so for one thing, I don't unfriend like online. Let's go back to the online friends for a second. Or And some of these are people sure. I know or used to know in real life and used to be real friends. I'd put it that way. Um, I didn't unfriend any SJWs. Um, actually, I, let me back up. I unfriended like two or three of the most toxic ones that just because I couldn't read their stuff anymore. Um, but for the most part, I try not to do that. Like I'm sort of, because I believe that, you know, and hearing the other side. And I actually want to know what they're talking about and what they, how they view things. And I'll tell you, it's crazy. It's like looking at two different realities. They live in a reality that oh, it's I great. You, you like email me stuff sometimes. That's like, look at how crazy this is. <laughs> I'm glad that you're like this embedded spy in this <laughs> world because I have access to like, wow, that's what right. they said, huh? <laughs> right. Um, but so it, I try not to unfriend those people. Um, in real life, it's different. It's, it's. Uh, I think maybe people don't do it because, well, like your example of the person who wants to get fit but doesn't want to be around fit people because they feel makes them feel bad about themselves or whatever. So that person doesn't really want to get fit. I mean, they might say they do, but they don't. It, and so if they're hanging out with somebody who encourages bad behaviors, like not working out or not you know, eating, eating lots of crap. I think in a way they're doing that so that they have company in that bad behavior. Yeah. I would say that the pain of being, I would say the pain of feeling, uh, inadequate overrides their desire to improve. Yeah, maybe it's stronger than the pain of, of being inadequate actually. Like, like if, if you're fat, right. And you're like, okay, the pain of hanging out with healthy people is, is worse than the pain of being fat. So therefore I'm going to stick with the pain of being fat. Maybe. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not yeah, a psychologist. I think, I think people just want company. Um, and so they're willing to settle for friends who maybe are not the healthiest for them. I've certainly done this. I've who hasn't, um, when they could be trying to be friends with people who are better for them, who, who, really want the best and who push them. And I've also come to learn in the past year that we've talked about this before, so I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but um, this concept of corrective love, corrective friendships, 
people who will tell you out of love, tell you when they think you're doing something wrong. Um, and right. a lot of people don't want to hear that. <laughs> they don't like corrective right. friends. So they don't, and, and right. the consequence of that is they don't have real friends or they don't have people who are really going to tell them what's what, like, they're just going to have pleasers around them. They're going to have nice people around right. them. They're going to have a codependent circle of acquaintances that aren't true friends. And it's one of the things that I, I really appreciate about, I have, you know, I'm not the kind of person that has a lot of friends partly because I've, I'm, I'm busy and I prefer deep relationships rather than, um, you know, many superficial relationships, but the friends that I do have, like, I don't, I think all of them <laughs> that I can think of are like, they'll call me out on shit. Right. Um, and it's one of the reasons that you and I get along is I know that when we disagree, you don't just kind of say to me, okay, whatever, like you'll argue back at me <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. And like, that's fine. And I don't think I've said anything to you yet. Uh, that's been, um, you know, Pushing super morally it. horrible. Like I want to go kill babies and you've had to like had an intervention or anything, but rein you in. Um, Right. But I think, but, but it's important. It's important to have, and actually I want to ask you about, you mentioned one of the traits for friendship being loyalty. And that's a, that's one of those words that I'm never actually sure. I, I, I'll admit, I'm not really sure what it means sometimes because I don't know, is loyalty being the person that you can call to bury a dead body <laughs> or is loyalty like, look, I'm, I'm loyal to you being a good person. I see. Not, that's why I like, said that I'm doesn't. Gonna, that doesn't apply to me anymore because like, I no longer believe that. Yeah, it depends on what you mean by loyalty. So I think now I think of loyalty as yes, loyal to you being a good person, loyal to loving you, even when it. Being, and what's your own and, and what your best interest is, right? Not just what you whimsically want to do, right? right. Like, not just helping you justify bad behavior. Right, right. Not enabling, but saying like, look, you know what? I think this body needs to report it to the police and you really need to think about how you right. got into the situation. Now, now I'm the friend that helps you go to the police. <laughs> yeah, okay. Turn yourself in. <laughs> I would say, just for the record, um, I'm the friend who, context matters, it depends on the body. Um, <laughs> and the reason to be, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, cool. So I, you, you brought up something else. Um, also, I uh, think a good friend is someone who keeps you, well, this goes hand in hand. It's someone who wants the best for you. Someone who's aspirational in, to some degree is, is keeping you on your feet and keeping you thinking and moving forward. And whether that's through, through a great sense of humor that they have or, uh, being really smart or being, you know, whatever those, individual traits are that they might have, but there's someone that's helping you move forward as well. Yeah, I would, I would argue that I think a lot of, I, I would argue to focus on um, qualities that are actually virtuous. So like, I would argue that like a good sense of humor isn't really virtuous. It's nice, but you can like no. watch HBO specials for that. Um, no, it's just but, a trait. I guess my point is that they're, they're using whatever qualities they have to stimulate so they, they have to help right to help to so that you're like if like if you're hanging out with people who are smarter than you they're going to be pushing you naturally so if yes. you're hanging out with someone who's funnier than you they're going to be pushing you to be you know funny or what, what have you but sort of uh someone who's or maybe they'll you, be able to use that humor to like help change your behavior in a positive way if they're 
if that's their intent. Right. Yeah. Okay. You're making, you know, you're, so the, the one thing we haven't really touched on and, and I think we, we probably should, cause it's nice and volatile is family. Um, and, uh, I, I can share a little bit of a, I don't want to get too personal with it, but you know, I have a daughter and this, this issue of what family to hang out with and have relationships with really was, um, really became a priority for me to sort out when I had a, uh, when I had a daughter, I mean, obviously I still do, but when she was first <laughs> born and I had to start thinking about raising her and having her around family and friends. Um, the thing with children is children are, first of all, they're trying to look for a way to make sense of the world. And, and you can think of that as philosophy. They're trying to see like, what are the principles and values by which my parents are living? And you're their example, right? And so they're kind of looking to you to see how should I live? But they're also very attuned to power dynamics because they're trying to figure out how the world works generally. And they know that there's a world outside of your family, unless you uh, are, you know, isolated in the, in the outskirts of Alaska in a hut and your family never visits anyone and doesn't have television or internet. They know that there's a world outside of you and they're very attuned to power dynamics. And when you have people in your life with whom you think, uh, well, we'll say when you have people in your life that, that make life decisions that are really bad, that you think are, are bad and there it's an unhealthy relationship and you allow, and you compromise your own values for the sake of getting along. And people, I think mostly do this with family, right? So let's say your, your mom is a, a jerk or whatever it is, and she's manipulative and mean, and but you still hang out with her and you let her get away with it because she's your mom and you don't call her on it and you don't stand up to her like you would someone else. Your child sees your mom as winning and your child sees that and says, oh, that's where the power is. The power is in that ideology. It's in that philosophy, not in my parents. They have power over my parents. Oh, and and you actually, I think, are doing a real disservice to your children, which which means that for me, it meant um, either I have my parents in my life and um, basically I'm forced to have an acrimonious relationship with them because I would have to stand up to them and not let them get away with things um, in front of my daughter, in front of me, and I would have to demonstrate to my daughter that... Uh, I had the power and not them and I didn't I wasn't going to compromise my values for them or I just decided in my case I just decided like it's not really worth it I don't get much out of hanging out with them and I'm just not going to hang out with them um and so and she and she knows that it's my decision and so my daughter knows that it's my decision and so and she knows why I don't have a relationship with my parents and I think it takes away it takes away her interpretation of them having um, power. And it's like, okay, my dad has principles. He talks about what's right and wrong. He tries to live by what's right and wrong. When I make mistakes, I apologize, but I don't I don't overlook what I think are fundamental and, and critical flaws that are hurting me and people around me. I don't overlook them in family just to have a nice Thanksgiving. And I think, I personally think that's super important. I agree with you. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, no, I agree with you. So 
I mean, it, wow, you got kind of personal there. I was like just wondering if I how personal I could get. But I look, I've I uh, you don't I had have to, to go. Get super okay, personal. I had I had to go low contact with a family member, a very close family member. Um, and I say low contact, meaning I talk to this person for a birthday, holidays, just like hello, how are you? Um, friendly, nice. <laughs> um, but I, I don't share anything personal about myself because it, there's, there's no reason to, because this person is ill and will never be able to, any personal information is just going to be used against me, <laughs> against anyone that anyone that shares anything with this person. Anyway, I'm, I'm trying to talk about it without being so specific, but the point is I went low contact and everything changed. And it got better because I used to think that I, it was my responsibility to go there and to, um, like you said, you know, this to try and fix my family meant uh, putting up with this behavior. And it took reading a couple of different, uh, there was one book in particular that really helped me, but um, just about drawing those boundaries and saying, like, and so, sometimes you have to say this relationship is never going to be what I want it to be. Like it's never going to be the fantasy of what I want it to be. And this person can't be who I want them to be. And then you have to grieve the fantasy version of yes. that person, like let it die and just come, just accept who this person is and accept what type of relationship you can have with them. And, and sometimes it's going to be this low contact version. And the reason I did low contact was because I didn't want to have to do no contact and low contact has been working. And that's great. Some people have to go no, completely no contact. Um, I was able to do low contact until I had a child, in which at which point grandparents become uh, unsatisfied with low contact. So it had to become yes. no contact. Well, I used to. Which is also unsatisfying for them, but they give me less hell because they, you know, right? Don't have they don't have a way to get to me really. <laughs> I mean, they can bother me, but then you know. You're making me think of a very dark joke I used to tell, but <laughs> go ahead. Dark jokes are awesome. <laughs> well, just... what, wait, what was the phrase? Dark jokes are what was there was that meme that I love. Uh, it's got a picture of uh, Stalin and it says dark humor is like food. Not everyone gets it. Not everyone. Go, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> well, just that I was trying to, you know, I was approaching 40 and I was trying to figure out if I was going to have a kid or not. But my reasons, I was evaluating my reasons. And my biggest reason was just so I could make sure my mom never got to meet her granddaughter. <laughs> that's a, that's a reason. <laughs> that's a very resentful, horrible kind of joke. But um, but no, I, I get that. If I had a kid, it might be different. I might have to be no contact. Who knows? Um, but but yeah, we're not in disagreement on this. I think I think people sometimes stay too long, and um, because it's family, it's different than friends, and so they're they uh, and also because people. You tr you're taught to, and I think for the most part, it's a great rule of thumb to live by, to honor your mother and father, to, you know, there's there's this idea of being there for family and that there's, family is not just the people that are around you it, itself, it's it's an institution. It's a, it's, it's something that you should try and preserve. And so there's this idea of like, sometimes that fixing it means keeping yourself in a really negative situation when it's actually better for all involved 
if you guys find another, even if it's a more limited way to interact. So. Yeah. And I would strongly encourage if people have got like family issues like that, I therapy was and TMI therapy was super, super valuable to me. I'm a big fan of therapy. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us end up having what happens uh, again, not I'm not a therapist, but what, I, what often happens is that um, as a child, we don't get um, we don't get whatever we kind of quote should have gotten from our parents in terms of relationship, either because of abuse or whatever it was or neglect or abandonment or people have got all different issues. And the, the, what happens is um, that, that kind of, that experience kind of gets stuck in your brain and you, you end up kind of unconsciously wanting to get completion and fulfill that and get that thing that you never got, even as an adult, and and that's why often you're driven to have these kind of dynamics with your parents or or sometimes with other people. You're trying to look to other people to get this fulfilled. And something that was really valuable valuable to me. You talked about grieving, Carrie. Um, there was something really valuable to me that um, I remember my therapist had uh, told me at one time, which was, "Look, you know, you wanted that when you were eight or however old I was, or six, right? Even if you got it now, even if like magically." Your parents transformed, and that's what you got, and you got you were treated prop like properly. Now, it's too late. That you is dead. That you is gone. That you is mm -hmm. like decades old. It's gone. You can't get it. You've got to grieve that you didn't get it, and you'll never get it because it's too late. Now, what you get as an adult is different, but you can never fulfill that. Like that childhood absence is a an absence that's. Uh, unique to that child, that child self of yours and that child brain. And it's, it can't be fulfilled. It's got to be just grieved and be like, okay, like I didn't get that. That was a loss. Right. Mm -hmm. And once you grieve, um, you can then become more focused on what you need as an adult, which, uh, I found personally to be much more satisfying. Absolutely. More TMI for the day. Absolutely. So. It's the, that grieving process. And then you can kind of get past it better and also start to see those patterns that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, it's sort of what uh, to go back to Eckhart Tolle, which I do quite a bit, I guess, but it talks about living in your pain body. And like, uh, if you're living in that pain from the past that you sometimes subconsciously, you're seeking it out in the present and whether it is to inflict that pain on other people or to have it inflicted on you over and over again, because you're trying to like figure out how to, how it could end differently this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah i think we could do a whole show on on that um because that's especially true i think with romantic relationships and and also people's sexual choices um uh, often it's about reliving trauma um mm -hmm. which is i think uh largely uh largely the reason that there's such a large kink community um is like it's it's trauma reliving um often interesting. so interesting not i'm sure not everyone yeah, uh, I know. I know that's definitely a thing. Um, you know, one thing before we go, I, I want to quickly mention because you you brought up, um, you alluded to this idea that you don't want to unfriend people because you want to see what they're saying, and and I I agreed with that, and I I do. It's interesting to see what the other side is saying, but I will say, um, I think there's a, uh, and someone someone alluded to this in the chat as well. I disagree with this concept of, um, 
you need to be actual friends with. I don't mean Facebook friends or whatever. Or I, I mean like, like actual close friends with people of of very different ideologies. And um, there's this uh, there's this idea that like, well, that shouldn't destroy your friendship. And um, I that's an idea that I disagree with. I think that idea presupposes that ideas don't matter. Um, mm -hmm. And if ideas matter and have real consequences in the world, um, they should like. Those are those are moral decisions people are making, and uh, compromising on on moral decisions just because you want to be able to go camping with someone is is or whatever it is you do as friends is not. Uh, I don't think it's giving due honor to to ideas generally and and value generally. So I would I would say your friends aren't there. At least my friends, they're not there to provide me with both sides of the aisle information. That's why I can read Mother Jones and think progress and on one side and Daily Caller on the other side. And if I want to hear something crazy, I can listen to Alex Jones. I mean, there, look, there's there's stuff out there. There's I can access information and opinions all across the internet from ev all spectrums. But what I, you know, if I'm looking for people in my life to help me grow as a person, those people need to be pretty well aligned with me philosophically, or else their idea of growth and what I should and shouldn't do, and their idea of right and wrong, mm -hmm. is inimical to my growth. It's like the opposite. Well, you know, I want to be a better person. Well, and an SJW, if I say, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, you know. Being friends with an SJW, well, they they were going to constantly view me as inherently racist because I'm a white male. Like, how's that helpful to my life? Right? That's not a that's not a right. That's not energy I want in my life, and it's not going to help me be a better person. Right? Um, I need to be I aware think... that that ideology is out there and their arguments, but I don't need to be like friends with someone who's going to be like viewing me as racist. I think actually, so I saw that that comment in the chat, which looks like it's been deleted now, which is weird. But um, I actually huh. agree with it. But again, I think we're talking about yeah. two different things. I agree with you and I agree with that comment because okay. the comment was more, I think, about social media. Like don't unfriend random uh, like SJWs because you're trying to you're trying to live your beliefs and you're trying to show that like, hey, we can have com different ideas and still yeah, that I agree with. you truly believe yeah. that. Yes, exactly. So that that's what I think that person meant. And but but in terms of close friendships, you're right. It they're gonna self-select anyway for people who share your values, I think. If you're if you're if you've got the right kind of friends around you, if they meet those requirements that we talked about. Um, because the people who right. want the best for you, I, I think it's gonna be easier. They're gonna be on the same page with you if they have a very similar uh, worldview. So it doesn't mean that I don't like I have there's like different tiers too. It's not just like close friends and then Facebook friends. There's other, you know, sure. there's other rings around this planet or <laughs> there's other right. there's uh, a whole yeah, you have a whole uh caste system for your friends, I believe. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very helpful to sometimes get feedback like uh I don't know, like my Hindu friend, like his perspective is very different than than uh, my evangelical friend's perspective might be, or it's, it's kind of cool to have uh, 
people around who are going to push you and check you in different ways. I guess I'll put it that way. But I do think in general, no, I couldn't be close. Obviously, I'm not close friends with someone who's an SJW anymore because I can't trust them. First of all, I think even if they don't realize it, their ideology, is, it's a it's a web of lies. And so their whole belief system is it's it's an evil it's an evil belief system. And so having someone like that who's keeping them very close to you, I think is, uh, it's bad for you. It's not healthy. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not. It's not healthy. And you know, you and I talked about this earlier, we should probably wrap up, but you and I talked yeah. about this uh, yesterday. There is this like, we've both been in relationship and I'm now talking about romantic relationships, which are, I assume at the top of your uh, tier system of friends. Um, we've both been in relationships where we kind of had feelings that we knew, like we knew that we needed to break up. It was a toxic relationship, but like something was compelling us. And there was just this like inability to kind of end the relationship because um, there was this, like, even, even though, even though we kind of knew intellectually, there was this kind of like something emotionally was, was keeping us tied. And the only thing I'll say about that, is I don't have any, uh, you know, we probably do a whole show on on that, but uh, you know, the thing to remember there is, it's always better on like it's always way scarier to break up or to sever ties than uh, it always seems way scarier than it actually is. And once you've done it, it, there's always that like, and I noticed this in my life eventually breaking up with people that uh, I eventually had to remind myself every time I needed to break up. I was like, oh yeah, but remember how you feel afterwards? I'm like, oh yeah, that's always really good. It's always a relief. Like, okay, you just got to get over the hump and do it. And there's this kind of scary anxiety and there's this fear of conflict and there's this fear of like um, judging other people and and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's worth the temporary pain of of purging people in your life that are not healthy is is uh, is absolutely worth the it's that cost is absolutely worth it for the value you get by making room for people who are healthy and and contribute to your life positively. I think people just have troubles uh, saying goodbye some you know sometimes and um, with friends too even and it's because you okay so there's there's a quote that a, a friend mentioned to me from a book I haven't read so I can't name the book but it was basically the idea that you have to come to terms with the fact that some people are in your life for a reason, some for a season and some for a lifetime. And the ones that are in your life for a lifetime, people who are in your life for a lifetime is a very small number of people. But for some reason, we all like to think that every every relationship is a lifetime relationship. Well, it's not. Sometimes it's a seasonal thing. It's a short-term period of your life that you guys were close. And other times it was for one specific reason that you were friends with this person, that they gave you this insight or something happened because of your friendship. And, and that's enough. So... It's it's yeah, since if we started with talking about weeding the garden, pruning the pruning your relationship <laughs> tree, and you know, we're ending with uh, the people that are in your life for just a season. <laughs> it's just a season, yeah. yeah. No, not all of them, obviously. No, not all of them. Um, but it is important. Any final thoughts, Carrie? Or should we? I think we should probably wrap it up. It's uh, we're you know a little later than we normally are. Any uh, any final thoughts on pruning your friendship tree slash uh, what was the phrase about vampires? Hold on. Uh, emotional vampires. Evolving past emotional vampires. Yeah. Uh, no, just that it's a new year. And <laughs> oh, I'll say this for anyone who's been unfriended, because a lot of people are experiencing 
like they've lost friends and family due to politics or the polarization. Um, and anyone who's had a relationship in that they didn't want to end because of differing views, political views, what have you, um, like you said, it's it's better on the other side. Like it's it's hard to go through that, I think, but obviously it's hard to go through that depending on how close the person is. But it's much better on the other side. It's very liberating. And so if you're if you're on the left, if if you're like I was, if you're a liberal and you're starting to question some of the SJW stuff and you're afraid of saying anything because you're afraid of losing friends. And I've had people write to me about this and say this is the case. I'm afraid of losing friends. I'm afraid of losing job opportunities or what have you. Um it's so much better on the other side though. You will lose some of those friends, but it doesn't hurt the way you think it's going to because they're it's like they're weeding themselves, they're pruning themselves. And uh, and you're gonna make much better friends. Like in the past two years, like you and I became much closer. Um, my friend in, in the entertainment industry who came out to me as a closet conservative, we became much, <laughs> much closer. <laughs> like people start talking to me like, ah, I can tell you things. And you know, I have no one to talk to about this. I'm like, okay. Um, but so you you make better friendships, and I've met a lot of people online uh, who are who are speaking out in one way or another against this ideology, and have and have become good friends with some of those people. So yeah, don't don't be afraid. If you if you if people are pruning themselves from your life, it just makes room for new growth. So well said. I th <laughs> think that's a great uh, I think that's a great way to end the show for today. Um, so welcome, welcome back to uh, Deprogrammed. Uh, it's a new year. We will be back on our regular schedule of uh, every Thursday, I guess, at, um, at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time, which I think is one Texas time, it's one, Carrie. It's one Texas time. <laughs> one o'clock Texas time, which uh, if you're in Texas is all that really matters. Um, so, uh, follow us at unsafe show on Twitter, share the content, uh, subscribe to the show on YouTube and let's see unsafe space or unsafe show.com. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. And we will see you all next week. Thanks for watching. <laughs>